I had a teacher once that would always say, John, when you talk with people, make sure that you're understood, and then you need to make sure you're not misunderstood. And um, so we're going to take a little different approach this morning on uh, salvation, God, and so forth. We're going to go backwards, and uh, we're going to find out steps to how I die spiritually. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Why am I doing that? Because sometimes when we hear about how to come to God and how to grow spiritually, sometimes our brains start turning off. But I hope that as we take steps to spiritual downfalls, maybe for some of us, um, we'll be able to recognize where we are and by God's grace, uh, turn to God before it's too late. And when I say too late, you know, there's evangelists that will stand up in the pulpit and that will say, you know, tomorrow a bus can hit you and you can die. And that's the truth. I mean, you could die tomorrow. But what's worse than hit, getting hit by a bus, I guess, because because I guess when you get hit by a bus, your probation ends there, is that the love of many shall wax cold. That is worse. Because what happens is tomorrow, it's not that you're going to be dead, but you won't want to come back to God. And, and, and you know, I have seen that where I, I worked with young people and they're excited upon, about God, but they don't make a decision. And because iniquity abounds in their lives, the months of sins, the, of rejecting the Spirit of God, the next year when I talk to them, there's no spiritual interest. And the years roll by. And so it's not that, yeah, one day before Jesus comes, I'll surrender my life, I'll get it all done together, and, and, and I'll go to heaven. No, what happens is before Jesus comes, you won't want to surrender your life. You won't have any interest to do so. And that is much worse than getting hit by a bus. You know why? Because you never go down alone. You never go down alone. When you go down, you always bring others with you. So I want to turn, uh, if you have your Bibles, let's start with Luke chapter 17. And uh, Luke chapter 17, we're going to move quickly this morning because the time is limited. Luke 17, verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. And um, we're just going to, it's, it's, a very, it's one of the shortest verses in the Bible that we're going to have base our theme upon. Luke 17, 28 says, Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then he says an interesting phrase, remember what? Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. You know, I praise God for the Bible because the Bible gives us the good and the bad. And, uh, and I think it's, it's a very balanced book. It's inspired. It's, it's fully inspired. And today we're going to study uh, a little bit about the bad. Genesis chapter 13. Let's, talk, let's, let's learn a little bit more or meditate maybe a little bit more on Lot's and his wife. Genesis chapter 13. And uh, we begin the story with Abraham and Lot. And some of you may know the story that Lot was the nephew to Abraham. And he was so inspired by the character of Abraham, Lot decided that he was going to worship Abraham's God. And so when a God called Abraham out uh, of his land and his people, Lot decided, you know what, I'm going to go with Abraham. And do you know that God blessed Lot because of Abraham? 
And so they were blessed spiritually, but they were also blessed financially, and they had a lot of cattle and sheep and stuff, and, and got to the point where uh, both of them, they had too much cattle to be able to stay in the same area, the same land. And so the, the servants of Abraham started to quarrel with the servants of Lot. And uh, in Genesis chapter 13, verse 8, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then what will I do? Go to the left. And the Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was very well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. The first step to spiritual downfall, I believe, especially within this context, is selfishness. We're told from the pen of inspiration that all sin have root in selfishness and covetousness. And uh, the interesting thing is that selfishness takes, takes a very deceitful, sometimes um, undetectable format, I think is the, is the word to use. Um, sometimes we can be selfish and the, pers the people that we're selfish around, they don't even know that we're selfish. You know, many people give to charities, but they give it from a selfish motive because they want to receive a tax break, right? Or other people, they give, it's not even a tax break. He said, I don't even want a tax break. But the reason they give is because it makes me feel good when I give, right? But what if I gave to you and you would slap me in the face? Of course I'd stop giving. Christianity is, is giving regardless of how I feel about how the person receives the gift. You understand what I mean? So in Jesus, what he does, he offers salvation to us. Many of us reject. And so if he was giving from a selfish motive, Jesus would say, you know what? You don't want this? Fine. You know, forget this. But Christ, when he gives, he gives from an uh, unselfish heart. And so he gives and you reject and he gives still again. And you reject and he still gives because he does not have selfishness in his heart and neither should we. So Abraham uh, told Lot, you know, you choose. And we know that the, 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 the right thing would have been, you know, for Lot to say, you know, no. First of all, Abraham, you're older. Second of all, Abraham, the reason I'm so blessed is because of you, not necessarily because of me. And therefore, you choose and I will choose whatever you don't choose. But there was selfishness there. You know, when I was a child, I have a younger sister that comes after me. And, uh, you know, I used to make certain deals with her. And the way that I would do deals is that I would have shiny coins. And she would have like dirty pieces of paper, you know, like not very attractive, like some that would have five on it and stuff like that. So what I would tell her is that, look, I'll give you a shiny, shiny coin if you give me that dirty paper. You're not with me. <laughs> so of course she was excited and I was even being extra nice because I say, I won't give you one. And it was 25 cents. I won't give you one. I'll give you like five. And then you give me one that says five on it. You know, I'm really being nice because you give me a dirty piece of paper that says five. And I give you five shiny 
uh, coins, you know? And of course, she was happy at the end, and I was happy. <laughs> so, so it's a win-win situation, isn't it? I mean, we can all go home and, and praise God. I was happy, she was happy, but God was not happy. You know, God says, John, you may be respectful, you may be kind, you may be happy, and everybody around you may be happy and go lucky. But selfishness will lead you to lie, to put yourself first, your family first, your pleasures, your desires, your future, your time. You're happy, the people are happy, but God is not happy. And you know, selfishness is the first step to spiritual death. Um, and we can realize that because sometimes you may think, no, everything is fine. I've been, I've been, I've been doing this. Yeah, it almost seems that it's selfish, but, you know, I justify my, my reasoning, say, you know, she's too young. You know, she can't really know how to spend that money. There's a slew of excuses that you can make up to justify your selfish actions. But if you are true to yourself and to God, you will realize as you plead with God for the Holy Spirit to show you, he will reveal to you that a lot of what we do is selfish, based on pure selfish motives. If it would only end there. But the path to spiritual downfall is similar in the path to spiritual growth. It's a slant, it's a slope. There is no such thing as a consistent type of experience. And so selfishness will lead you to other things. We're told in the Bible, Revelation, uh, Genesis 13, verse 12, just um, uh, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And we're told here that Lot pitched his tent toward uh, Sodom. You know, yes, Sodom was wicked, but you know, there was good reasons to be in Sodom. There was conveniences, opportunities, education, business, commodities, and it was good for emergencies. Uh, you know, it was, I mean, this was the thing to do for my family. And I know that it's very wicked, but for the advantages, we need to be there. And I believe the second step to spiritual downfall is to put earthly advantages above spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Put earthly advantages above spiritual growth. Uh, you may be in some of the best educational programs, university, but if these programs or if this work causes you to lose your salvation, it is not worth it. It is not worth it, friends. Um, if you don't learn to be able to labor for God, uh, you may have the most thriving business, but if you have no time because of this business, of this career, to be able to spend time with God and in His Word and prayer and in His work, then it's not worth it. You may live right next to a hospital to save your physical life, but lose your eternal soul because of the friends you associate with right there. And so, you know, in the, one of the workshops that I was sharing is that it's, uh, Ellen White speaks about in Country Living that few individuals, when they think about a place where to live, uh, think about the spiritual influence that will affect them where they will place themselves. And, and I think that's important not only in in uh, where we live, but the, the type of work that we do, the friends we associate with, the entertainment or, or recreation, if you want to call it, that you, you're involved in. And so it's important to, to think. Um, and, and some of you may think, well, and I want you to reason here. What I will try to do is I will try to seek to put spiritual growth above earthly advantages. But if 
if you have not dealt with the core issue, which is a selfish heart and selfish motives, it will only be a matter of time when these will reverse once again. Are you with me? Because one leads to the next. When you have a selfish heart, you have selfish motives that you cherish, that you refuse to surrender to Christ, automatically a selfish heart will seek to put what is more easy, what, more is, what is more convenient. So to put the earthly advantages is a normal thing above spiritual growth. Friends, I encourage, we need to encourage each other always to place ourselves in a situation or environment where we can grow spiritually. You know, when I was in high school, I gave my heart to God. I even went to do literature evangelism. And I came back my last year in high school. And, and I, I'm ashamed to say, but I, I couldn't tell people what I was doing on Sabbath, you know? I mean, I, 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 was, I was the president of the school of the student body, and so I... You know, you were a little, you know, you try to be popular. And I wouldn't go drink with the people, you know, I wouldn't do certain things. But when people say, well, John, why don't you come on Saturday? You know, we're going to go here. Well, I can't really go there because uh, I need to go with my dad somewhere. And, well, what are you going to do over there? Well, you're always going with your dad there. So <laughs> Some of you are laughing because maybe you know what I'm talking about. And I, I just didn't have the strength, the spiritual strength to be able to say, you know what? I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And this is what I do. I was so weak. Now, I didn't drink. I was not promiscuous. I told them, you know, you guys are stupid to drink because blah, 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 and so forth. But yet, there was still a selfish <coughs> aspect to me. This, yet, I realized there was a weakness that I had. And, you know, I realized at that point that I needed to go somewhere where I can grow spiritually. I needed to go somewhere where I can where I guess a situation or environment where I could be strong enough to grow and then to come back and share. And that's what I did. I, I moved, I went, I studied missionary to be a, a religion, and then I came back. And during the summers, I would talk with my friends, and then I could tell them, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Here's some literature for you. There was a holy boldness. I wasn't pushing religion down their throat. I was still being friends with them. We could talk together, but I had... I, had, I came to a point that I realized, even if I surrendered my heart to God to deal with this selfishness, I was not strong enough to remain in that environment. I needed to get out of there to be able to have that spiritual strength to, to stand. So always seek to place yourself in a situation or environment where you can grow spiritually. Ask yourself, not only when it comes to environment as a whole in life, but what about TV programs? Does these television programs I watch, do they bring me closer to God? Well, the TV programs or whatever, YouTube videos, they make me laugh and, and, and they bring me happiness. And, 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 and the music I listen to, it makes me feel good. But, but does it help me to grow spiritually? No, I, I mean, I can relax and it's amazing. I like to watch this, this stuff. And there's nothing really bad with it. Yes, but are you putting... Are you putting earthly advantages above spiritual growth? How do these thoughts, these conversations, these friends that I have, how are they? Are they helping me to grow or bringing me down? Uh, since I became a Christian, many things I cannot <coughs> listen to, places I cannot go, people I cannot be close friends with. And it's not because I'm trying to be holier than thou. Uh, the longer I am 
with Christ, the more I depend with Him, to, on Him, the more He can help me to go in places that I couldn't go before. Are you with me? Because His strength is made perfect in my weakness. But unless I have learned to depend upon Him consistently and with great depth, there are places I can't go. You may be able to go, but I can't go there. The Bible tells us that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. And just a few uh, verses later, in Genesis 14, verse 12, um, the Bible says, And they took Lot, which is the... Um, Ab oh, yeah. They took Lot. This is the, the army that came. Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his good, and departed. So we realize just a few verses later, Lot went from being having being outside country living, but his tent towards Sodom. I mean, he was, you know, he had the probably the homeschooling and all that nice thing with the kids, and and he grew his own garden. But his tent was towards Sodom. And just a few verses later, we realize that he is actually living in Sodom, right? Because there is the path to spiritual downfall is is a slippery slope. Well, things got bad in Sodom. And in Genesis chapter 13, um, verse 20, um, there is no 20 and 13, right? And uh, I think it's verse 18, sorry. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. Um, and then we can see how Abraham started to plead with God, because he knew that, that Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked cities. And he started to plead with him, says, You know, Lord, if, if there's just 50 righteous people, will you spare it? And he said, Yes. He says, If there's only 45 I'll spare it. If there's only 30, I'll spare it. If there's only 20, I'll spare it. Look, one last time, God. If there's only 10 righteous, please, will you spare it? And God said, I will. And you know, I don't know why Abraham stopped interceding at 10. You know, there's different theories. But in my mind, I was, I'm thinking, he's thinking Lot. You know, Lot, his family, and their children, there's way more than 10 right there. You know, I know there's at least 10 people. Because if you see the consistent and the persistent persistence of Abraham, I don't think that he would have stopped if he had known that there was less than 10 people that were righteous in that city. But you know, probably thinking, oh, I know Lot. I've taught Lot. I mean, I mean we've prayed to God. I, I know Lot is righteous. I know he will order his family after him as I am ordering my family after me. This is what I have taught him. I'm sure that Lot is giving Bible studies and have small group ministries and have amazing little glow outreach. I know that Lot is doing something amazing in Sodom and Gomorrah because if you're, <laughs> you're either a missionary or you're a mission field, for you to be righteous, you need to be able to go out and share with others. It didn't happen just after the latter rain power. Even before, it was the same spirit that convict heart and leads you to be able to lead others to know Jesus Christ. I know Lot must be doing Bible studies and passing out flyers and probably have a nice little Sabbath school group going on there. 
The third step to spiritual downfall is to lose sight of God's mission for you. Matthew 6 tells us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The enlargement of God's kingdom is supposed to be one of our greatest uh, mission that God has for us. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go and teach, go and preach, go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you became a Christian, you became a missionary. The two go hand in hand. The two go together. It's just like when I became a parent, right away there's a responsibility to feed my children, to clothe them, to take care of them. It is the same thing. When I became a Christian, it's allowing God's Spirit to come in me. And guess what? God's Spirit doesn't just sit in me. God's Spirit does something to go and to do something for others. In Great Controversy 525, it says, It is a part of God's plan to grant us an answer to the prayer of faith, that which He would not bestow, did we not thus ask. And so if you say, you know, I, I, I've surrendered my heart to God, I want to do what is right, but I can't do it, pray. God will give you the ability, the power, because He will put His Spirit within you and give you the power to do something for you. You cannot win souls for Christ, you may say, but at least you can pray and you can earnestly start to do something. You know, um, I want to interject this little commercial. Um, in the back, you folks have distributed glow tracks. This is something anyone and everyone can do and should be doing. We are told that every member should scatter <coughs> broadcast literature all the time. Why? Because there is power in God's Word to transform lives. At the back, I want everyone, if you don't have one, to pick up one of these called Every Member Giving Light to Our World. It's a little booklet that teaches you how to be able to make literature distribution a part of your lifestyle. You may say, well, I can't talk to anybody. You have no excuse because every week we get phone calls at our office from individuals that did not talk to anybody but that just left something like that in a Walmart bathroom, in a Tim Hortons bathroom, in in, in a waiting room of a doctor's office, in a magazine, in a Gideon's Bible, none of you should be leaving your hotel room without throwing this in a Gideon's Bible. Amen? You, don't, you can leave one for the cleaning lady, but she'll throw it away. Some of them will. So you want to make sure you hide it. You want to make sure you hide it in the Gideon Bible. Amen? If you're not a missionary, you are a mission field. A friend of mine called Eugene Pruitt he told me once, you know, John, we human beings are like garden hoses. And when we just lie there, there's bugs that get in and spiders and so forth, and they contaminate the inside. But just turn the water on, and all the filth comes out. And that little bug, that little spider, there's no way he'll get in there. There's no contaminations as long as the water is flowing. And friends, that's the thing. Some of us, the water is either on or it's not. There's no in-between where virtually somehow the spider can get in. No, it's on or it's not. And so if you're off, you're off. If the water is off, it's off. And then you start being contaminated. And if it's on, it's on. There's no way, there's no in-between. You can do something. You can do something for God. The Holy Spirit, 60, page 90, the Holy Spirit will come to all who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbors. 
And Acts of the Apostles, page 105 says, strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. So I want to put the three together. The first quote I spoke to you about is that it's in God's plan to grant to us uh, in the, to the prayer of pray faith that which He would not bestow did we do not thus ask. So if you're telling yourself, well, I don't know what to do to win souls. I mean, I've accepted Jesus in my life. I just don't know how to go about. Then the first thing you need to start doing is prayer. Because God, there are certain things that God will not do for you or answer to you unless you ask. That's just the way that the great controversy works. And when you start praying, what we're told to do is that the Holy Spirit, we're told, will come in the to the answer of prayer to those who are agonizing for God's Spirit to give the bread of life to others. You know and I know that the power, the wisdom, the know-how, the knowledge, the gifts, the talents come from God's Spirit. And so the first thing I need to start to do is pray. And then what I need to start doing is to pray for the bread of life and God's Spirit to be able to give me power to go out. And then I just need to go and do something. Start distributing tracts. Start doing something <coughs> close by. And we are told that strength to resist evil. You know some of those cherished sins that you're struggling with? Do you know that by being active in God's service, the power that these sins have on your life are slowly but surely being broken? Why? Because it's the same concept of the holes. Either the water's on or either it's not. Start somewhere. You know, many years ago, a friend of mine, uh, I would go with him sometimes. I mean, he was excited, a new Christian, and, and, and we would go to a nursing home. And, uh, you know, this guy, we were learning, you know, prophecy and different things like that. And so this guy at a nursing home would stand up and he would be preaching Revelation 11, King of the North, Revelation 14, Revelation, and I mean, you have people on ger geriatrics, I'm sorry, but they can't even turn their Bibles, they, you know, and I was looking at him, I was saying, what are you doing, you know? And of course, the, the, the elderly, they would come, they would love the music, they would love the prayers, and this guy would stand up and preach his heart out, you know, to people, and half of them were sleeping, to, to be honest, while he was preaching. But friends, you know that two people became Seventh-day Adventists from that. I mean, sometimes we write off all the elderly people saying, you know, they're all. But there's many of them that are very sharp. They are human beings like us. We are supposed to take care of them. And some of them, if they are given the opportunity, will accept the truth. And they were so happy in the truth that they learned. You know, that was an amazing experience for me because it helped me to realize yeah, maybe you're not called to preach like Mark Finley, but start where you are. Do whatever you can. The guy messed up many times. He didn't know his verses or texts, but he did what he could, and God blessed it. God blessed it. You may not be talented, may not have all the answers, but if Jesus has done something for you, pray. Pray for God's Spirit. Beg for the bread of life to give to others, and start doing something for God. I remember a friend of mine, one of our students a few years ago, he, had, he knocked at a lady at his door and he was sharing some of the books that we had. And one of the books that he shared uh, was uh, a spiritual book. And sometimes it happens when you share the health books and they're really happy and so forth. And then you, you share a spiritual book and then their countenance changes like demonic. <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking to you about. It's like, God? God! <laughs> it's like, all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they lose it. And it was the same with this lady. She started swearing and she started cussing. 
And he says, God, I don't want any beep, 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 beep about God. And you can keep your beep, beep, beep about God. And, and you know, if God is so good, why did he allow my, you know, and, and she went on. Why did God allow me to get abused when I was a child? And why did God allow me to do this? And why did God take, uh, my husband left me? And why did the children's services take away my kids? And why is it that I'm stuck with this addiction that I can't, and why? And, and you know, he was a young student. This guy's not studying theology or anything. He just decided that he felt God wanted him to do this this summer. He came from the U.S. to Canada to do this. And here you have a lady just, you're just shredding him to pieces. But you know, I'm telling you, God's spirit is amazing. You may not have the talents and the skills and whatever you may think, but if you just have God's spirit, God can use you, friends. Just the willingness to do. And so while she is shredding him to pieces, he's praying in his heart, thinking, Lord, just what am I supposed to do? And some of us would react by just cussing back at her, right? Saying, you know, I, what are you putting out on me? You know, I'm just... But she went on for like three minutes. And finally, when she took time to take a breath of air, <laughs> he jumped in and says, Ma'am, you know, I don't know why you're abused, sexually abused as a kid. And I don't know why your husband left you. And I don't know why, um, you know, child services took your kid away. And there's many things, ma'am, I don't know. I'm just a kid. But there's one thing I do know is that God has sent me from United States this summer to meet you, to tell you that he loves you and he wants you to come home. And she just started bawling and crying. And uh, he hugged her. And it's amazing how they prayed together. She signed up for Bible studies. And you know, the Word of God brings not only a conversion, but the Word of God brings healing, brings healing to our souls. So I'm asking you, if God can use someone like me, if God can use someone like my friend preaching a Revelation seminar that has in a nursing home, uh, if God can use this young man, and I have seen over the years God using young people over and over and over again. Young people that had no idea what they were doing, but just prayed, pleaded for a willing heart, and just tried to do whatever lied nearest at hand. God will start blessing you, friends. God will start blessing you. And by God's grace, we can move back up that slippery slope of spiritual downfall. Well, I won't read the, the whole rest of the story, but you know how it is. The, Angels finally came into Sodom and, and they tried to, to pull Lot out. And uh, there was a, a lot of things that happened that night. But finally when Lot was convinced that, you know, this place is going to get destroyed. So he went out to talk to the daughters that, have already, that had already married out of the home. And, and so he's trying to talk to them and, and to their husbands and to tell them, look, listen, this city is going to be destroyed. This city, it's, it's, it's over. And, um, and the Bible tells us in verse 14 that they laughed at him. They laughed at him. You know, they should have said, no, no, no this man is serious. <laughs> Lot is a serious man. You know, I, I, whatever he says, I mean, but they laughed at him. And I want you to realize something, friends. A life 
of compromise has no power. No matter how good your excuses may be. A life of compromise has no power, no matter how good your excuses may be. First step to spiritual downfall, selfishness. Second step to spiritual downfall, it leads you to put earthly advantages and personal advantages above spiritual growth. When you put personal or earthly advantages above spiritual growth, you start losing sight of the mission God has for you. You lose sight of God's mission for you, the third step to spiritual downfall. And the last step in this context anyways to spiritual downfall is Genesis chapter 19. We are told that the angels literally took the arms of Lot, his wife, and the two kids and started pulling them out of Sodom before the fire would come down on the city. Genesis 19, verse 25, the Bible says, And he, God, overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. The fourth step to spiritual downfall is give God your body, but not your heart. Give God your body, but not your heart. You know, sometimes when we are on a slope that really leads us down, God in His mercy at times will do dramatic things to be able to shake us up and to bring us back to the rea eternal realities. But for some of us, because we haven't dealt with the selfish aspect of our hearts, sometimes we come back to church. Sometimes we come back and get involved. Sometimes we, you know. But if selfishness still has a root in your heart, you can give God your whole body, even to be burned. But if you give God your body without your heart, basically what happened to um, Lot's wife is what's going to happen to us. Many of us have left atheism, the world, Catholicism, and now our Adventists sitting in church, but the world is still in us. Where is your heart this morning? Is it with a special man, a special woman out there? Is it with your homework or the job or friends or issues that you have? Is it the money that you're making or not making? Is it TV program, internet, Facebook, job, car, anger, jealousy, lustful thoughts? Our hearts can be all over the place. But the question is, who has your heart this morning? Where is your heart? You know, if we were to interview Lot after all of this situation, <laughs> I think it'd be an interesting interview by CNN. You know, they go up to the cave and try to interview him and just, you know, Lot, tell us, you know, you used to be really rich. Actually, you used to be like the multimillionaire around here. Like, what happened? Tell us. And I believe that Lot would have told us that it, would, it was not worth it. It would not have been worth it. It was not, a, was not worth it to move towards Sodom. It was not worth it. He lost, <laughs> he lost all that he had. He lost his wife. He lost his daughters. He lost his dignity. He lost his purity. He lost everything. 
And you know that some of us, we may say, well, you know, I just have this little selfish thing that, you know, this is the, and it's because of my genes and the way my DNA, or it's because of the way I was brought up, or it's because of this. And you don't want to let go of that one thing. What I'm trying to get to you this morning is that you may think it's a small things, but I hope that you can see that that little small things, by interviewing Lot in a cave that slept with his daughters, I hope that you can understand that that little thing leads to somewhere that there are actual steps to spiritual downfall, that it's only a matter of time before, well, that will never happen to me. It's only a matter of time until spiritual death. The last verse is Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22, and looking at verse 12. Um, this is actually the attitude of, of people in God's house. Verse 12 says, And in that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth. There's a time, friends, where we need to agonize with God, as we were mentioned last night in prayer for His Spirit. But instead of the agonizing, and behold, verse 13, joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. Tomorrow I'll get my act together. Tomorrow, I, I mean, I realize, you know, I do have selfish issues, and I realize that I've put earthly advantages about, or personal advantages around spiritual growth. I, I realize that I, I don't, I kind of don't have a, lost sight of God's mission for, for, for me. I realize that I'm living a life of compromise. I realize that God does not have my heart. And I realize what I need to do. I, I, I don't argue with God's word. But tomorrow, you know, today I, I need to eat. I need to drink. I mean, it's, 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 I have so many things I need to do today. Tomorrow, we're going to die. But today, let's eat and drink. And friends, Christ wants Christians that will say, no, today I die. And tomorrow I'll eat and drink forever with Jesus. And sometimes it feels that way. When all your friends and even sometimes Adventist friends, and they can do this and they can do that and they can do all this stuff. And why can't I just, God, why can't you just give me a break and allow me to, you know, just to, to have fun and to do what I want to do. And everybody seems to be thinking, you know, Let's eat and drink, because tomorrow we're going to die. Tomorrow we'll get serious with God. But God is asking you, as young people, it may feel that by becoming committed Christian, you are dying. Because you don't do this anymore, you don't do this anymore, you don't do this anymore. First of all, a little commercial. commercial the peace that God gives you is worth way more than all what the word has to, world has to offer. But I pray that we may decide in our hearts and say, no, it's true that a lot of pleasures maybe I will not experience. But I choose to die today so that tomorrow I will live, I will eat, I will drink forever with my God. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.